The way we consume and share news today is largely rooted in social media outlets. A reason why we decided it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online. And let's be honest, that's where all the fun lies. Uh, for our daily social media minute, we're joined by Yerika in the studio. Good morning. Good morning. Fun rumors. Uh, <laughs> nasty attacks. Oh, yeah. All of the above. Everything. The good and the bad. Uh, let's start with the good. Yes, <laughs> let's. I've actually seen this book for the first time, and I'm so blown away by the illustration. Mm-hmm. I had to share with our listeners, yeah. too, a book by award-winning illustrator Susie Lee flying off the bookshelves as we speak. That's right. So sales of books written by the celebrated illustrator Susie Lee have gone up. Uh, more than 150 times <laughs> after she became the first South Korean to win the prestigious Hans Christian Andersen Awards mm. uh, for Lifetime Achievement mm. in Illustrating Children's Books earlier this week. There's so much to decipher in that given sentence, how prestigious the Hans Christian Andersen Award yeah. is, how long it's been since an Asian author won any award mm-hmm. at this ceremony. Also, the power of illustration books, because frankly speaking, I can't remember the last time I bought an illustration book. Me neither, actually. Right? I yeah. mean, you come across it, maybe that's a happy surprise. It's, it's such a wonderful gift. It's a great coffee table book. But yep. I can't remember the last time I reached out, bought one, and put it in my own house. It was a very long time ago, I have to say. <laughs> right? And that says a lot about what we're missing out on, perhaps. But shedding light on it, uh, 150 times more popular today. Yeah. Just a day <laughs> after she won the award. I mean, one ask, what's in an award? Uh, let's talk about that. The Hans Christian Andersen Award is one of the world's highest honors for kids' books and illustrations. That's right. Uh, the International Board on Books for Young People declared Susie Lee the winner in the illustration section during the opening ceremony of the Bologna Children's Book Fair, which was held in Bologna, Italy, on Monday. Mm. Uh, the Hans Christian Andersen Awards is sometimes called the Nobel Prize of children's <laughs> literature. And the top two prizes are for the authors and illustrators. I think that's a fair comparison. Nobel Prize for children's literature, yep. the highest of honors. And I think one of the most recognizable in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, what an achievement and to be recognized on a global stage with a prestigious award. Yeah. I'm sure she competed with some of the world's top veteran illustrators, too. Indeed, she did. Uh, She was actually shortlisted for the same award back in 2016. Did not win at the time. Uh. Um, Well, she had to wait six years (laughs) to finally win it. Now, the awards is named after the 19th century Danish author Hans Christian Andersen. Mm. And the awards was founded in 1956. So it has quite a history. Mm. You said her books are, of course, flying off the shelves because that's like an easy way to buy a book. Yes, it it is. Now, according to Aladdin Bookstore, um, the combined sales of Lee's publications on Tuesday, so the day after she won the award, yeah. uh, surged 154 times from the seven-day average tallied through the previous day. Mm. Uh, her latest book is titled Summer, uh, which won a prize at this year's Bologna Ragazzi Awards. We talked about that yeah. on the segment not too long ago. Uh, that book topped Aladdin's bestseller list. Now, daily sales of Summer soared more than 200 times <laughs> from the weekly average. Now, the book is very interesting. It's made up of 148 pages. It's filled with pictures and short writings. Mm. It also has a QR code, very 21st century, I have to say, <laughs> inside the book that connects a reader to music by Antonio Vivaldi. That is to listen so to cool. while reading the book Because she was inspired by listening to his music as a child I mean, to write it, this book, Summer. Is this just the next page, no pun intended, uh, for book writing in general? I think so. with music that yeah. authors were inspired by? That is so cool. It tickles all the senses. <laughs> <laughs> Visual. Yeah. Auditory. Exactly. All right. So, So, yeah, hmm. according to the same bookstore, Hmm. which actually is a series of 
stores that sell used books here in South Korea. Uh, Lee's other books, including Wave and Lines, mm. also made the top 50 mm. on Wednesday. You know, I, I just, I actually got a copy of this book summer, so I c- contributed to this 150 times oh, jump in sales. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so fun because it's so inspiring, the colors and, and how she uses just about every medium that you can think of yeah. within this one single book. It's, yes. I mean, if you are itching for creativity, this is a great place to start. And I can't remember the last time I picked up a book that didn't have mostly writing. (laughs) You know, uh, for children, I mean, the storyline itself is really important, too. But, you know, having beautiful illustrations side by side to the text, it can really, um, you know, play with their imagination. Exactly. And a lot of the pages don't have any kind of writing. It's it's just pictures after pictures. And the the styling of the illustration differs from page to page. Mm -hmm. And you're just kind of bound off the wall and I kind of love that. <laughs> I want to go check it out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at who else were the winners of this prestigious Hans Christian Andersen Award. Yeah. Do you think we might be familiar with some of them? Yeah, previous winners of the award for the authors include okay. Astrid Lindgren, author of Pippi Longstocking. I oh. loved this book growing up it's and I watched classic. the TV series too. It had a TV series? Yeah, it did. It's not the movie, not the TV yeah, series. Yeah, there's a TV series. Oh. Um, and also, Gorilla, I'm not sure if you know this book. No. You, you, you would recognize the, the illustrations if you go search on Google. It's it's a story by Anthony Brown. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Anthony Brown. It's a story course. of this girl who loves gorillas. And okay. uh, I don't want to ruin the story, but yeah, she has a magical night with a certain gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for not spoiling it for those who haven't read it. On to our second story today. Uh, uh, regulations, uh, uniforms, this has all been part of school culture. And Korea has been conservative for the most part in that regard. Yeah. But it seems like we're step by step steering away from the old way of doing things. You know, um, I, I found the story to be rather bizarre because we talk often about how advanced Korea is. But then uh-huh. along comes a story like this. And I'm going, what? <laughs> there are dark corners Still? of society that we have yet to address. Yeah. So 50 uh, two schools here in Seoul that had regulations on the color and shape of female students' underwear have removed such rules because there's been a lot of criticism that these rules violate the human rights of students. Uh, the 52 schools include 31 girls' middle and high schools, as well as 21 co-ed schools. And according to the Seoul Metropolitan Office of Education, these schools had a dress code on students' undergarments and socks. Mm. Uh, These schools required their students to wear all-white underwear and socks or only wear black or skin-colored stockings in in the colder months. Socks, maybe. Yeah. Um, undergarment, I can see why that could cause up a storm of yes, discussions on whether indeed. that violates all kinds of mm-hmm. human rights issues. I, I, I'm talking about the story. I'm introducing the story. And from the corner of my eye, I can yeah. see Lena trying to process. This is insane. Yeah, In 2022, because, uh, I mean, I'm, even just logistically, I'm trying to think, how would you even monitor that? And and also in 2022, why hasn't this been like striked out years ago? Okay, but. so <laughs> let's hear the school's reason. Why weren't students allowed to wear colored underwear? Well, the school said uh, colored underwear shows mm. under the, the white shirts or blouses the students wear as uniforms. Mm. And the schools had apparently considered this to be inappropriate or would cause or might cause discomfort to other students mm. and teachers. And st- the students, if they were caught breaking the rules, they yeah. were actually penalized. 
Can you imagine a teacher singling out a student and reprimanding them for wearing the wrong kind of undergarment? How awkward is that? And how embarrassing is that for the student? And I feel like nobody wins in that conversation. As a self-respecting teacher, I would hate to be the one to do that. I know. It's ridiculous and unbelievable. Anyways, these rules were removed after the schools held special consultations with the education office last year. Uh, The office said it plans to provide consulting to 60 schools with excessive restrictions on students' appearances, Mm. including hairstyles and clothing this year. Now, currently, schools in Seoul are advised to not restrict students' dress through school rules under an ordinance Mm. introduced by the city government back in 2012 Mm. to improve students' human rights. Okay, so we're making a step at least forward in the right direction. Okay, uh, this is just 52 schools in Seoul we're talking about this morning. Uh, I'm sure there has to be more schools in other regions in Korea with the same sort of archaic rules still standing? Yeah, there are actually. A similar set of rules exist in other schools outside of Seoul as well. I Uh, just hope that those schools will also be required to remove these regulations as well very soon. Because we're talking about, I think, a much more deeper fundamental question. Why did those rules come into existence in the first place? Was it from a different era that we don't necessarily support of the same ideologies anymore? I think so. And and so we should question it. We should encourage our students to question that too. Just a food for thought this morning. (laughs) No, no, actually all the judgment. I'm judging this story so (laughs) hard. (laughs) On to our last story. Now, this is where things get tricky. If you are Steven Spielberg, do you... (laughs) Owe it to your fans and legions of supporters to say the right things all the time. Quite possibly. Seems he's under fire for saying the wrong things. Yeah, so uh, the critically acclaimed director is getting a lot of heat uh, for comments that he made about uh, Korean actors on Squid Game. Mm. And reading the story kind of brought me this sense of unexpected satisfaction, but I'll get to that in just a little bit. All right. Um, So at a Producers Guild of America Awards panel over the weekend, uh, the director applauded Netflix. Netflix for mm. awarding unknown actors the opportunity to uh. helm projects. And he specifically said this, I quote, a long time ago, it was domestic stars that brought the audience into movies. Today, it's interesting. Unknown people can star in entire miniseries and can be in movies. Squid Game comes along and changes the math entirely for all of us. So basically, he, he <laughs> called it a game changer. And these are veteran actors. <laughs> So many talking points. In, yeah. That's three lines of quote. Um, but OK, first and foremost, for his comments, Spielberg is, of course, being slammed on social media by fans who are a little bit more woke. Yes, exactly. People were quick to point out on Twitter that the show stars have been in the South Korean <laughs> entertainment industry for, for quite some time. Sure. Uh, someone tweeted, Americans always think the world doesn't exist outside of America. Mm. Uh, they think everyone worships us when in reality mm. they laugh at us. Mm. Actors, singers, politicians scientists, doctors, lawyers, CEOs, all exist in other countries. Stop being so ignorant. And there were many other uh, tweets such as this. I grew up on the sentiment. I, I traveled to Europe <laughs> to only be greeted by unhappy Europeans yeah. saying Americans are the most ignorant in the world. And I can't believe in 2022, we're still having the same conversation. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here, here's the thing. I, I suppose intention was not so malicious by no, Steven Spielberg. No. It's just... It just tends to highlight the ignorance of that entire comment. Uh, Unfortunately for Spielberg, all these comments do ring true. Uh, It's quite surprising that an industry veteran like Spielberg himself with 
so many accolades. Yeah. In, I'm sure as he's traveled a lot too. He's worldly, I'm sure. That's the thing, right? You travel more, you're supposed to expand your horizon. Yeah. So you'd expect a little bit more for Steven Spielberg. Mm. But he did make such an uninformed comment. You know what I love about this is that people who slam Spielberg are actually Americans. <laughs> and not Koreans <laughs> jumping to defend their country's industry. Oh, I'm seeing the Berlin twist. Yeah. Uh, because Koreans defending Koreans has been happening for years. Of course. And maybe if it's not in the right language, you don't reach a big enough audience to get the conversation rolling. But these are Americans saying, okay, Spielberg, wake up. <laughs> yeah. Go on Google, do a little research. Get with the program. <laughs> I think he got the message at this I point. I think so. Thank you, Erica. Pleasure. I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.